with good journalism, there's a lot of journalism that's not as sound as it used to be. And so I just never take at face value assertions in the press. I always go behind them as much as I can and try to actually, okay, what did this person actually say? Or what is this document to the extent you can? And that approach does eliminate a lot of territory that I can't really delve into, but I'm just more comfortable having the raw material of my writing be solid foundation of fact. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. One of my favorite authors, Pima Chodron, was quoted to say, everybody's middle way is a different middle way. And now she was speaking about Buddhism, but I feel like that quote is especially relevant for our guest today. William Cooper is an attorney, columnist, and author of Stress Test, How Donald Trump Threatens American Democracy. Now, before you turn that dial, because you don't want to hear another political blog, let me just say that William's approach to writing about this very controversial topic was to take his version of the middle path. And I believe that there is so much value here, especially for any of our listeners who are writing about controversial topics. They can be wonderful to write about, but they also can be like navigating a minefield and it's very easy to make the wrong step. So now William has received great reviews on this book. Publishers Weekly calls it a compelling rallying cry for democratic institutions under threat in America. His commentary has appeared in hundreds of publications globally, including the New York Times, New York Daily News, Baltimore Sun, USA Today, Huffington Post, Toronto Star, Jerusalem Post, and the list goes on. So when you listen to this episode, be sure to take note of how William thinks about writing around controversial issues and his approach that I think is instructive for any writer, and of course, including authors. Enjoy. So, William, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. Well, you know, when you reached out or someone on your team reached out and I checked out your book, I I honestly couldn't resist because it's an interesting topic and, and something that I have also been, you know, had concerns about the direction of our democracy in this current era and how a lot of the stuff that happened in during the Trump administration on both sides of the aisle, as you so wisely point out, uh, all both did their part to uh, denigrate the system. So I, I love the concept. Yeah. And um, so that that made you pretty irresistible, William, I got to say. Good. Well, I'm really excited to be here and look forward to talking about it. It's a 
important subject, even if you have, no matter what your view is, I think it's important to uh, express it and share it and, and try to learn about such an important topic this day and age. Yeah. And and on that note, I'm just going to dive right into something that I would love to hear your take on because, you know, especially if you're writing about the Trump presidency, it's a very polarizing topic and you're approaching it in a very mindful, intelligent way. I'd love for you to share with our listeners about, and I know you're, you write columns too, that are very, you know, level-headed as well, but I, I'd love for you to share either in your column, your book, both. How do you navigate controversy um, in an artful way that I've witnessed you do? So I'd love for you to share some of how you think about things and how you approach your writing when you're writing controversial on controversial matters. I always try to um, have be my lodestar accuracy because Hmm. I think that if you're a politician, your job is to persuade people to vote one way or the other. So your job is to be an advocate. And if you're in politics, what, you know, whether you're working on a campaign or a lobbyist, you know, that's your, that's your job. That's your objective. If you're a journalist and you work at an organization that comes at it from a particular bent, your expectation is that's what you're going to do as well. But if you're just a citizen of the country, or if you're somebody like me who writes about things, but but you're not a part of an organization where you have to have a particular angle, it seems to me like you should always try to just be accurate because if you're, I'd much rather personally be accurate, but, you know, liberal or accurate and conservative in a particular view or offend people than to be wrong. It's so it seems like if you're a citizen, you should just be trying to make sense of what's happening as opposed to persuading other people something. And so that's the starting point for how I think about things. And, and, and therefore to get to the focus of your question and with controversies, I just try to be accurate and try to disentangle the, the mess often and just try to figure out what's actually happening um, through a lens of, of precision. That's my goal. I certainly don't achieve precision every time, but that's my goal. So to cut through the rhetoric and the grandstanding and just, just get to the, the actual facts of the matter. And I think as a citizen, that's right. And I think as a citizen, that's just the right way to, to approach it. I don't, people that are coming at things from particular angles and obscuring the situation. Um, it just doesn't, for whatever reason, for me, at least it just doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I, I have to admit, I have been frustrated. I, you know, I was, I was trained as a journalist. I'm a former journalist. I've been pretty frustrated with journalism over the last several years, not all of it, <laughs> but uh, absolutely. There's some great like journalists out there. I was trained to write articles that were factual and keep my opinions out of them. (laughs) But a lost art in many contexts. (laughs) Reporting has 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 changed uh, dramatically as well in in many many venues, which has been quite uh, upsetting to me as somebody who was trained properly, if you will, <laughs> to do it, you know, to do it with these certain canons that used to uh, drive 
how journalism is supposed to be done. Um, I agree. Strongly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm actually, that actually kind of brings me to a follow-up question, which is, so when you're looking for the facts, how do you uh, vet your facts? Considering. <laughs> yeah. We have to hack. We have to the, hack. The source, of, <laughs> the source of record may or may not be <laughs> giving you all the facts. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you have to hack through the jungle with the machete to find them sometimes. But I'm as an attorney, I often write about legal issues. There's a really simple way to often get the, the facts, which is the court proceedings where there's an order, Supreme Court oral argument transcript, pleading in a case. Often the, the analysis in the media is an analysis of those documents. Mm. And you can get those documents very easy. True, uh, right. so that's one that's original, one thing that i do yeah before and it was then yeah just getting the actual transcript mm-hmm. exactly and then to your point which i agree with wholeheartedly about about journalism these days and while there's still many good journalists there's a lot mixed up with good journalism there's a lot of journalism that's not as sound as it, as it used to be and so i just never take at face value assertions in the press i always go behind them as much as i can and and try to actually okay what did this person actually say mm-hmm. or what is this document to the extent you can and mm-hmm. um it, it, that approach does eliminate a lot of territory that i can't really delve into but i'm just more comfortable having the raw material of my writing be solid foundation of fact yeah and i think this is this is something very important for our listeners to hear, especially if they're writing about controversial topics, because that's where you're going to attract the most pushback potentially, or you have the most potential to, and and to also attract a lot of criticism. And if you do get something wrong, uh, and you're writing in the controversial space, you're you're a lot more likely to be called out for it, right? And oh, so I mean, every author should be careful about the facts. And I love what you're saying about going that next layer or two deeper to make sure that even what you read in the news is, is, is in fact what was said. A lot of times you can't wade in too deeply because the facts aren't public. And some of my writing has been making that point that we don't uh-huh. know. And when you don't know, you shouldn't just fill the blanks in with your preconceived <laughs> notions. You should say, hey, I, we don't know. It's not. We didn't know in 2015, like we did not know whether Trump and Putin had conspired to hack into the DNC. It was not a knowable thing for almost everybody in the world. And so leaping to the conclusion that it did or didn't happen, I think, was a mistake, for example. Yeah. And it undermines when you do have proof, it undermines that reporting that comes later, because if you left ahead of information that was available, then it's less believable when it does come out. And then that's yeah. erodes the trust in the media. And absolutely, you know, authors and books are part of media too. So this is really, really, really important stuff. Anything else that you would like to add to this idea of controversial topics and not, you know, not every, not every columnist certainly is looking for that middle path. What, what about you, William, makes you in that moderate mindset? Like, <laughs> tell us about a little bit about you personally that has you 
relate to these topics in that way? It's a good question. I'm not, I don't really know. And some people, when I sort of describe myself as a moderate or somebody who tries to follow the facts, it doesn't really care where on the continuum I land. People look at me like I'm some curious creature. Like it's so, it's so odd, but for me, it's my natural instinct. And I don't exactly know why, but probably the best single factor that I can think of that's probably a part of it is that my household growing up was very apolitical. So I, I didn't grow, I didn't grow up listening to Rush Limbaugh, you know, over dinner or hearing my, you know, my, my uncle come over every Sunday and tell me how, um, you know, the Republicans were ruining the country. And uh, it was, it was pretty apolitical. We talked about lots of things, but politics didn't, didn't come. And then in my undergrad, I, I, I went to UCLA and uh, it was a, a lot of my classes were extremely liberal, very, very aggressive, progressive professors, brilliant people and great people. Uh, and I kind of got swept up in that for a little while, but then it just took me so far into such extreme places that I would just tell myself that's just not true. You know, that's just not right. That's mm-hmm. there's not a, a sufficient basis for for that. So I was exposed to. I went from an apolitical household to a like hypercharged undergraduate environment. And those things together kind of make me, I think, weary of extreme political views. Although some of my views are fairly extreme. I just, my, my effort and my attempt is to get there the right way. Right. And, and in your writing, from what I've read, it seems like when you're writing though, it seems like you're, you're not, I haven't come across you sharing a particularly extreme point of view, but I didn't read everything you wrote. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I, um, I definitely do have very extreme perspectives. Just one example: I, th- my views on redistribution of wealth are extremely progressive. I think trillions of dollars should be confiscated from wealthy people and distributed to society in a way to make it more fair. And that, you know, there wouldn't be, there'd be, I would get thrown out of the House of Representatives with that, you know, if that was my right. platform. But right. I just think that's fair. It doesn't make sense yeah. that people have a hundred billion dollars and down the street, people don't have dinner. So to me, it's just rational, but it actually falls along a pretty extreme place on the continuum. But it, a lot of my writing in the book was focused on legal issues relating to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, staying sober-minded and, and and withholding judgment was very important in a lot of instances. Although by the end of the book, when Trump was trying to overthrow the election, I, I had jumped fully on the bandwagon of yeah. get him out of there because yeah. uh, the facts had, the facts had changed. Yes. And, and that is clearly an impeachable offense. I guess if, if you're, if that's not, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Not yeah. not a whole lot of gray area. <laughs> yeah, if that doesn't qualify, what? Does? Right. <laughs> but the earlier impeachment, mm-hmm. um, I thought was much more gray and and much and there was all sorts of countervailing considerations and and um, I thought the first one was very different from the second one and the contrast between the two, I think, it was very illuminating for sort of making clear, okay, 
what is an impeachable offense and what isn't. And, and we shouldn't confuse those two things, because if you if you overplay the, your hand with impeachment, if you broaden that clause to be bigger than it's intended to be, mm-hmm. you can negate Article two. Right. You yeah. would just swap out presidents left and right. So you have to be very careful not to not to let that happen. Hi, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach? Everyone says writing a book can help your business, but few understand the mechanics of how a book actually makes your business grow. In case you're new to the author's corner, my name is Robin Colucci, and I've been helping world-class experts write world-changing books for over 20 years. Many of my clients have tripled their income within weeks of completing our proprietary book concept development process, and others have gone on to increase their business income 600x or more once their book was out. That's why I'm excited to announce that my team and I are hosting an exclusive two-day live workshop called the Book and Business Development Bootcamp. This is the first time I've hosted this bootcamp in person since COVID began back in 2020, and I'm looking forward to rolling up my sleeves and helping you get the same results that dozens of participants have seen over the past seven years that I've offered this. During our two days together, we will have two primary objectives. First, to help you find your clear saleable concept for your book. And second, to determine ways that you will be able to leverage your book to grow your brand and your business. This is not a phony Amazon bestseller program, nor is it one of those write a subpar book in a weekend courses. You get to work with me for two days, side by side, no gimmicks, no BS. Together, we will map out a book concept and outline that will help you not only thrive in business, but create a bigger impact for your readers. If this sounds like it could be a good fit for you, then go to www.robincolucci.com forward slash bootcamp to apply for one of our exclusive spots. To give participants the most value, we've really limited the space. We only allow five people to register for the course at a time. So we only take the people who are ready to write their book and go to the next level. So once again, you can find that application when you go to the link www.robincolucci.com forward slash bootcamp. Now, let's get back to the show. So now I have to ask you, because this came up when I was reading your chapter on, you know, I was reading the section on impeachment in your book. And, and so, and, and like I said, I didn't read every single section. So I'm, if, if sure. you mentioned this, but what occurred to no me is I was thinking of Ken Starr and, and the Clinton impeachment about having sex in his office with an intern and I, who was an adult. I, I just, what would you be your point of view on was was that a frivolous impeachment in your opinion or was you know was that a, a similar kind of situation or did you feel that had more uh, grounds i thought that was a big mistake and should not have been pursued as an impeachment i mentioned that briefly in in the book and my point at the time and this was in 2019 was you know just because the republicans overreached with mm-hmm. ken Starr doesn't mean that the Democrats should be overreaching now. That was yeah. very early on in the, in the process. But yeah, I thought it was a big mistake. You have to have, 
there has to be an enormous amount of room for a president of the United States, duly elected by the people. The only time the country comes together and all vote on the same question is president. Mm-hmm. And there has to be an enormous amount of latitude for that president to make mistakes, do controversial things, and even, even do things that she or he should not do. Yeah. Below the threshold of, okay, let's get him out of office. Right. <laughs> that sanction of removal is so unbelievably powerful and has such incredible reverberations throughout our system that it can only be done, in my opinion, at very extreme circumstances. And for Clinton, I did not think it rose to that level. I didn't think it was even close. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a horrible abuse to do that to him. In the first Trump impeachment, I thought it was a close call. And I thought it was there were good arguments on both directions. Mm-hmm. And then on the second Trump impeachment, I thought it was clearly and obviously unmistakably not only a high crime, but the worst offense the country's ever seen from any official. I mean, the, the, the sanctity of elections is the premise of our whole system. And 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 so those are different places on yeah. the continuum for each one. Yeah. And I yeah, I agree. And I, I think that that's uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we got to talk about that because. It, it really does show like kind of three, you know, the three levels of yeah, yeah. what we've witnessed. And I also agree that when, you know, when it becomes a tit for tat situation, well, you, you know, you impeached our guy for something for, you know, something questionable. So we're going to impeach your guy for something questionable. It just undermines everyone's, again, it just undermines the credibility of the entire process and it undermines democracy as a whole, not just one side of the aisle. Yeah, it's a really, it's not just another provision, right? If the, the Constitution says you have to be 35 to be president, if a 33 year old were to become president, it would be violating the Constitution. But like all, you know, assuming it was a solid 33 year old, we'd be okay. Right. But if you just tear up, if you tear up the impeachment clause and you toss that out the window and you just start tearing down the other side, the, the, entire structure of the government and the constitution it it would it would all be severely injured by that so you 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 have to have some amount of bipartisan respect for that structure and and in recent years that hasn't been there and it's really a shame yeah and i was just thinking uh your book would be such a great tool for classrooms you know or for any place that 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 people would like to have a civil conversation about some of these things because you because you do you know really stay in that middle lane so well. Um, all right, now I want to make sure we have time because I wanted to ask you about the other aspect in terms of your process uh, because I get asked this very often. People say I've written a bunch of articles. Can I turn that into a book? Yeah, and this is. I, and I really liked how you handled into, you know, having your columns that you that had been published and knitting that together in a book. So would you share with our listeners as to how you thought about that and how you went about executing on that? Because I thought you did it very well. Yeah. So I had been writing columns for a few years and I probably had maybe 20 that were all focused on Trump. I've I've written columns about other topics as well, but I felt like I had this pretty big 
grouping and I just packaged them together and wrote an introduction and I separated them out by categories. And then I just circulated that to publishers and Black Spring Press Group in London, uh, which is a small but, but great press, was interested. And to their credit, because this was their idea, not mine, they said, we need essay instead of just grouping them together in chapters, we need essays introducing each chapter and putting it all into context. And then those essays can sort of create a, a common thread and arc for the yeah. whole book. Honestly, that's what I loved because that I yeah. had I, I thought that was such a great way to handle uh because to handle utilizing columns and and creating a book, I think too often people just take their articles and throw them in there and it yeah. may be in a certain order, but the context that you provided as you were getting into each area, I thought was so helpful and really made it a book and not just yeah. a collection of essays. So uh, yeah, that was, um, had a good editor, Todd, over there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Todd, Todd, Todd Swift and Amira Gaham. I'm probably mispronouncing her last name. Her first name's Amira at Black Spring Press Group deserve all the credit for that structure. I wrote, I wrote all of the essays and yeah. I, I, you know, did the whole uh, editorial side with their, with their help with it. But in terms of that structure, they get all the credit. And it was a very good idea because it, the yeah. book, it, 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 it just, like you said, I, I don't think you can say it better. It made it a book, not just a big, you know, slab of columns piled together. Yeah, really. Bravo. Bravo. Well done. It was. It thank, was uh, thank you. It was refreshing to see as well, because all too often, that's not how uh, compilation books get handled. So I thought that was really, really yeah. smart. Well, well, that was a very good. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Very good idea. I think I've thanked them both for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Good. Always good to give credit where credit is due as well. So good, good on you for that. OK, so we are getting close to the end of our time. I, I know that you uh, very graciously carved out some time for us when you're on your trap uh, in the middle of traveling. And I appreciate it. So we're, we're going to respect your time. And I'm going to go straight to my signature final question. Which is, what have I not asked you that you would love to answer? <laughs> Good question. Well, you mentioned that you've talked to some other people who have asked about, okay, well, how, if I've got these articles, how do I turn them into a book? And I think the part we just talked about where you, you have some essays and some glue that ties them together is one piece of advice I would give. And then I would also say, you know, try to have them be the, the columns be focused on one topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did. I left a bunch of columns out that would have been a little bit, even if they're tangentially related, would have been a little jarring for the reader to sort of zig and zag too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the, the you, you want to make sure you have the right permissions. If you're writing columns for yes. a particular newspaper, you have an agreement with them not to, republish you want to get that permission and if, once you've done that then i would say this i think the biggest piece of advice is you have to be unrelenting in trying to find an agent and a publisher because the book industry is very difficult to break into as i'm sure you know and, and a lot of your listeners know i, I believe 
the um, I'm blanking on her name, but the author, the Harry Potter author. Oh yeah, a, Rowling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, J.K. Rowling, most successful author of all time, I believe, in terms of revenue generation. She mm-hmm. spent years, and nobody would touch her her manuscripts. Mm-hmm. And um, and so eventually, if it's if it's good, you'll find somebody. But like just really sticking with it is important and just be ready. Like if you're going to do it, be ready, no matter how good it is, just be ready for an enormous amount of people <laughs> ignoring you and rejecting you. <laughs> so, uh, so did you end up having an agent as well? I've worked, I've worked with uh, a few different agents and, mm-hmm. and I'm doing so now on other, oh, great. other okay. projects. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have to though. You need right. an agent to get into the big, houses typically but -hmm. there's a a lot of really really respected smaller houses that don't require an agent and then there's a huge medley of smaller publishers where you don't need one at all Mm -hmm. uh and and so yeah you can try to get an agent but if you don't don't give up yes and i would add to that if you do not have an agent at least get a literary attorney that's a good idea contract and and give and advise you as to anything in there that might need to be adjusted. That's a very good piece of advice. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make the sure someone on who's side. done it before has your back because they the publisher's done it a lot more than you. Yeah. <laughs> the people on the other side of the contract have a that's their job is to understand every nook and cranny of that agreement. And as an author, the likelihood you understand virtually any of it's going to be quite low. So it's big asymmetry. And that's very good advice. Yeah, exactly. And and it can be so easy to get caught up in the excitement and the fantasies and everything. But you just and, and you know, it's not even I'm not even insinuating that it there would the publisher would deliberately try to hurt you or anything. But the fact is a lot of authors also have a business that's related to their work. Yeah. And sometimes those contracts try to do a bigger IP grab and yeah. end up signing away your right to market your business <laughs> or to even teach, totally. you know, what, what you are teaching in your business. So just, totally just make sure someone who understands your situation and, and, and also can speak legal ease is, <laughs> it's reading your contract. Cool. Any Absolutely. other advice for our listeners before? Cause I, before I, uh, cut you loose because I know we have about no, I, I think that's that's the big one if you're if you want to be an author you just stick with, even if it takes a long time just don't give up it'll happen and I, I was just listening to something the other day where the I believe it was the 2014 or 15 nonfiction Pulitzer Prize award winner had a book uh he was 0 for 32 in finding a publisher and then the 33rd picked it up and he won the Pulitzer so just don't give up. That is fantastic advice. And what a great thought to end on. So William, thank you again for sharing with us today and for being here on the Author's Corner. Thank you, Rob. And I really appreciate you having me. I had a very nice time speaking with you. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.